and welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. I've got Gabrielle Grossman with me today. G'day, Gabe. How are you? Going well, thanks, Russ. How's everybody doing? Doing good. We've got Steve Wiedemann here today. He's here to talk about Applebee's and the SEO work that they've done for Applebee's over the last period, and they're still working with them now. So, Steve, I'm going to do a proper intro in a moment. We'll get there. For those that haven't tuned in before, SEO Success Stories is basically a series where Gabe and I get to put our our SEO nerd hats on, bring on board some really successful SEO practitioners, and just pick their brain and find out what they've done for a particular brand, what sort of tactics and strategies have worked and haven't worked, what sort of tech they like to use. We're just curious about how the best SEOs work. And uh, we've got Steve Wiedemann with us today. Before we get to the intro, Steve, I put this on everyone before we, uh, we start our show. So I'm going to ask you a big question. What is the number one biggest challenge that SEOs face in 2022? Go. Differentiating yourself from what others are doing. Stop following checklists and really think outside the box. Excellent. I like that. Cool. Well, Steve, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, guys. It's going to be fun. I look forward to sharing some of the success we've had with this brand and hopefully sharing some tactical things that listeners can take away and start doing themselves. So the brand we're going to be talking to is a a really well-known American brand called Applebee's. Uh, Probably don't need to introduce it to people, but in terms of Steve and the work that you've done with Applebee's, I'd love to get first into a bit of your background. So a bit more about your experience. You just mentioned a moment ago before we started recording about your, you know, your experience in some previous roles with a, a, quite a big business there. Um, do you want to tell us how you fell into, into SEO? Sure. Uh, well, I was by necessity. I was a webmaster in the late 90s. And for, uh, for me to make any money from these small accounts I was working with, I had to... I had to actually drive traffic to their websites, you know, and at the time, you know, we didn't have Google, right? It was 98, I think, when when it came around. We had Excite and Alt, Alta Vista and Yahoo and just, you know, had to had to learn how to get traffic and without a budget to work with. So search was one of the easiest ways that uh, I found to do that. I started to follow the pioneers in the industry back in the day, your Danny Sullivan's and Bruce Clay and Aaron Wall and, you know, all the the famous heroes of, of, you know, the early 2000s, uh, they, they all played an instrumental role in me creating uh, my own roadmaps, my own sort of initial checklist on, on foundational things that we want to do and tech content and off page and went back to school, got a degree in e-business management and quit my job at IBM to work for Disney parks and resorts where I help mm. manage paid and organic for Disneyland.com and adventures by Disney and uh, left the corporate world in 2010 to start my own thing and uh, just me as an independent consultant and I just attracted a lot of friends and peers and uh, folks that went to my meetup groups and interns and eventually my little one-man show turned into what we have today, Wiedemann Consulting Group, a group of uh, digital marketing consultants that love to be passionate about search and help clients. I've got to ask, do you remember when you know, when there was when Google came out, obviously, when it, it sort of stretched further ahead and then you had Yahoo. And do you remember like when it was sort of closer in terms of the, those search engines? And then the moment when you started realizing, actually, it's probably we probably need to put more energy into Google than these other <laughs> these other other machines. I do remember that moment. And I remember that the first thing we would do was um, was get into the open directory project. It was uh, Google's original sort of static database before they had crawled everything on the web. So mm. that was that was a big deal and such a big deal that over the years, you know, it, it became a, 
sort of a bribery way in. So when that site went down, when they when they took down the Open Directory project, we had a proper burial outside and kicked dirt on it and all said good riddance. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, it was a really interesting time. You know, we were all focused at the time on Yahoo and you know for and Microsoft, of course. Uh, but when um, uh, you know when Google came in, it was this whole other world. Wait a minute. So now now we have to focus on on signals that are off the website. That's interesting because normally we could just put a bunch of keywords on a page, you know, in the right places in the title heading and subheadings and URL and and then, you know, link to that page from other pages and boom, we could rank. Uh, but now with Google, they're looking at all these external signals. This is weird. So, yeah, it was it was a new paradigm for us digital marketers. And it was exciting because it, it took us out of our little tech bubble and made us be a little more extroverted and starting to build relationships with folks that we hoped would link to us. How cool. So today we're talking about Applebee's. Now, you guys have had some success with this type of business, you, like in terms of, you know, building a bit of a niche in, you know, multi-location strategies, multi-location businesses. Is that correct? That's correct. I don't know how we fell into it, but at some point, I think I, I, think I actually started with my friend Dave Rodecker in 2008-ish. We were working on a, accounts for extra space storage, and I remember the consultancy that was working with them on the organic side, we were working on the Google map side. Remember the old seven packs that are now three packs. Yep. And um, I remember being told, you just do your job. Let us do organic. Uh, we've got local, or you've got local, we've got organic. And that's just how it's going to be. And I kept thinking, you know, I'm so much better than this. I can, I can mm -hmm. contribute. I can make a difference. And uh, from that moment on, you know, I knew if I got a multi-location brand that, you know, that I was going to crush it. And so of course it is nice to look back now and go, wow, you know, that was a 900 or 800 location storage company, 2008. And I got to work with for since 2012, you know, one of the largest brands that had over 4,000 locations. So, so ha ha to you other consultancy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Are you able to name check any other brands you've worked with over the time? Similar types of brands? <laughs> What, were there any other brands? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Any other oh, yeah, similar? yeah. So we've we've had some fun multi-location franchise brands as well as some e-com. But the franchises that, that I think we've had the most fun with included Skechers. You know, mm -hmm. we had like 300 locations that we got to work with there. Uh, we've had Meineke Car Care Centers. That was really challenging because how, how interesting is auto repair, right? How do you get links to that? And so we were able to help them create a content strategy that drove nearly half a million visits to the website over 18 months and creating a weekly cadence of producing good content, how to, where to, upper funnel stuff that later played into remarketing and, you know, helped them to, you know, get people coming in for oil changes. We've had, uh, I mentioned storage. I think we've worked with just about every storage company starting in 2008 up until, you know, to last year. Um, we've also worked with uh, Blaze Pizza under the the Dine Brands uh, brand. We've had Applebee's and IHOP. Uh, Applebee's first, and then IHOP jumped on board after they saw what we were doing with Applebee's. What else? Umami Burger. When there were 24 locations, we were able to help them to show up for Best Burger in whatever city they happen to have a location in, which was pretty amazing. And I'm sure we've had you know a few others that were a little smaller, but those are those are probably the most notable. So these days, are you working exclusively with these types of businesses that have like really broad kind of offline footprints? So there's there's nine of us on the team. Three of us do a majority of the consulting and the rest are, are more support members. My my dedicated accounts are Applebee's and IHOP. And I also work with other enterprises that will come in and do something more ad hoc. Dan on the team manages uh, you know some of the, the sort of mid-level businesses. You know, we've had like Grand Seiko and... Um, 
Uh, we've got an HVAC company that's in two different states now. We've got a few attorneys that we've worked with, some that do national and some that are uh, tri-state kind of things. So yeah, we've we've got a little diverse group of clients. I think we're about probably about fourteen total clients. We'd like to get to a place where we just have four kind of hallmark accounts that we work with. Uh, the two have been amazing for us. If we get two more at the same level, you know, we'll we'll scale down a bit on some of the smaller accounts so we can focus some of our energy on more research and study and experiments and innovation, like we did with you know the local page study we did last year, which won a Web Excellence Award for the time we put into looking at three hundred local pages you know, to understand what are those differentiating ranking factors. That's the kind of stuff we want to be doing. And our clients love that because that that research, you know, plays into their success. So the fewer clients we have, uh, the more time we have to be more innovative. So right now we're, we're kind of at about, I don't know, 75, 25, 75% clients, 25%, you know, research, innovation, study, that kind of thing. That sounds like the dream combo, I think, for any SEO is working with fewer clients, getting to go a little bit deeper, getting to do a lot of research and testing and do stuff that's a little bit more innovative, I think. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun, especially when you get those giant Google Sheets going and you're like column by column and row by row. And I don't know, it's just really interesting. And then you then you get to do some math and run some aggregate, you know, reporting and like, huh, so, so if I put hyper local content on these local pages, I have... 107% competitive advantage to get my pages to rank over a page that doesn't. That's interesting. Wait, all I need is a link to directions. And for those that don't have it, you know, I'll have a, I don't remember what the total number was, but I'll have like an 84% competitive advantage. So it's neat kind of doing that sort of research because it, it helps you build a framework for success, but it's also just really fascinating to get into it to sort of reverse engineer, you know, algorithms a bit. And even when we say reverse engineer algorithms, what we're talking about is reverse engineering what users are responding to in search results that search engines are inferring as being helpful. So um, I don't know. It's fun. It's goofy. It's nerdy. And, you know, and every day we get to learn something new. It's not just the conveyor belt. Okay, let's get the list of all of our pages on a Google sheet and let's retitle and description them. And, you know, it's, it's not that traditional SEO agency style work that we all grew up doing. It's it's more of the, well, what if we tested this new markup? What is this action markup? What is what is this? I wonder if we can get a, you know, a, a video thumbnail in a mobile search result if we do this, uh, this additional markup thing and boost our CTR. That's the kind of stuff we love to geek out on. But I'm rambling. <laughs> 100%. No, I think, Russ, one of the best, like, traits of an SEO that you look for is just that curiosity element. Like, Yes, you know, you want to absolutely. experiment with things. You want to find an advantage. You want to find something that correlates nicely to if I, if I were to pull this lever, am I going to get this outcome? You know, and when you find something like that, it's so fulfilling. It's gold. It's like, you want to share it with everyone. You want to like shout it from the rooftops. This actually works. And all we need to do is X, Y, and Z. It's kind of like a little bit of SEO detective work, right? There's the detective work of trying to find out what's effective. There's a de- detective work of finding out maybe when something breaks, why it's breaking or why Google's acting a certain way or what what's actually working for our competitors that may not yet have worked for us that we can emulate. So much of what we do is out of the textbook and it's just essentially monitoring what's happening in the real world and then trying to draw inferences from there. I think too, just on that curiosity being such a key thing, that's where the creativity is born. Like if, if you're not curious, how do you get creative? How do you get innovative? What, what's the spur? to get you looking outside the box. And it's because you're just constantly just curious. I wonder what would happen. You know, I wonder, and you know, Steve and I were talking about this earlier about how Gabe, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, the reason we started doing this stuff is because I'd be messaging you, you at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning going, hey Gabe, what's going on with this? 
why does this happen? And that's something which is, you know, it's infectious and it's fun, but it's also, I've worked with SEOs who are very by the book process. This is how it's done. Mm. And, you know, they can get stuff done if the grunt work type thing, but I wouldn't go to them if mm. I want a creative solution. I'm not going to go to them for any type of, you know, any type of innovation or anything. Oh, like we, we love the grind and hustle. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a place for both. I think the creativity element that you just described there, you can't teach though. You either have that and you've got that natural curiosity or you don't have it. Uh, but there's certainly a place for both because a lot of the SEO work that we do, it's not exciting stuff. It doesn't jump off the page. It's, you know, the bread and butter of have you optimized this? Have you created this page? Have you got the right content there? And a lot of it is just going, not going through the motions, but it's essential work that needs to be done that isn't necessarily exciting. So there's definitely a place for that. But if you want to take your SEO game to the next level, I think you do need to go a little bit beyond and try and dive into the numbers break a few spreadsheets by adding too many rows and trying too many different formulas that don't work and just kind of like spend a few hours on something sometimes without necessarily having a clear view exactly of what you're going to find at the end of the tunnel. Gabe, that's exactly what happened to me yesterday. One of one of our clients, you know, I mentioned IHOP, I have a, I have a spinoff brand called Flipped. It's called Flipped by IHOP and they only have two locations open. They're shooting for 10 and one of the stakeholders sends an email and he says, says, hey guys, what else can we do to really amplify things? And, you know, I'm like, it's late, go to bed, stop staying up, sending emails. I'm like, oh, this would be fun. This is a fun challenge. I got a million answers for this because we've already provided a lot of the context. So I literally went into this huge bullet list uh, of all the different creative ideas that I had thought about that could attract and drive organic traffic. And everybody was like, whoa, this is crazy. But it's just fun. You just sit there and you're just, just brainstorming ideas. Is um, and, and, you know, we're, when we're an SEO, our, our job isn't just isn't just to, to amplify how much traffic we're getting, but it's also to try to get to the top of the search results. So there's that, you know, there's that drive to be number one, even though we want to make sure our clients don't have that mindset. We always have it in the back of our minds. Like, boy, I'd love to be number one for that search term, you know? Awesome. Just to bring the conversation back a little bit to Applebee. So when you inherited that account, what was their kind of SEO situation? What was the landscape like? You know, what did you find? It had been years since they had anyone even look at SEO, let alone, you know, do any sort of work. So we'd, we'd come in at a point where the leadership team had made some changes. The digital marketing team was completely different than it had been in the past. So um, so we I think we came in right around the, the right time, you know, to to have a bit of a clean slate. There was no roadmap. There was no technical list of things to work on in a project management system somewhere, you know, a Jira or Sana or whatever. There was no content roadmap of... URLs that we we need to pay attention to and new URLs that we want to create in support of our content strategy. There was no direct off-page strategy for SEO, despite the fact that there was a PR team. Um, there wasn't anything that was a you know a, a goal to earn or attract links to the website. The the most the thing that got my attention the most was there wasn't wasn't really a, a tool or a mechanism or, or tracking anywhere for measuring success. There was no you know, conductor search slide or bright edge or search metrics or SEM rush. There wasn't a, a KPI tracker, you know, to track the different areas of, of search and how things are performing uh, or to know what our KPI goals are for the year. It's our goal to increase revenue, online revenue by 10%. It's just traffic. What's our goal? You know, what do we want to do? How's our Yelp doing? You know, what's our goal for Yelp? What, what do we want to set expectations with them on in terms of numbers? So there wasn't any of that kind of thing in place. And that's funny enough, the time we started doing the audit, I think maybe a week prior, 
somebody had done something on the developer development side that removed almost the entire website from Google's index in the in the robots file at the root. They put a disallow all basically. And we're like, oh my god, what's going on? And so wow. I stopped the audit and I pick up the phone. I'm calling people like crazy, like, oh my god, you did index the whole website. Not sure why that happened right before we started our audit, but I'm glad we caught it. I'm glad we did the audit when we did. They do this annual promotion every year that I'm I'm a big believer in as a as a veteran. I was a you know in the U.S. Army for, for you and and Austin Rob. It's about a 45 minute drive north of you in Fort Hood where I was stationed. And so when when Applebee's said, hey, we do this thing every year for Veterans Day, I took a look and they had generated over 5,000 links to 15 different Veterans Day pages that were all for or forward. And we're like, oh my god, let's fix this. So we you know we identified what those URLs were. We created a permanent URL for that page. And we were able to reclaim, you know, some of those links. So that was that was something out the gate that really didn't nobody had known about because they just kept moving content around uh, or removing it and not realizing that they were causing all those, you know, breaks in the page rank that was being passed through the links in the past. There wasn't anything to address um, off-premises um, needs like delivery and takeout and curbside and car side and you know all the different ways that people catering right there's there was nothing there to address that um, that opportunity because they're such an older brand and and they're so focused on getting people into the restaurant that they hadn't really focused on it and the delivery service providers at the time were charging an arm and a leg you know of course they all had to get competitive during the pandemic when things locked down so it, it definitely helped to give us a little more room to play with that. But but that was a challenge because some of their competitors had delivery and takeout and curbside, car side. Another challenge that, that we saw during the pandemic more than ever, but even when we started with them, is they, they hadn't optimized to attract new employees. And fortunately, we had put it in the roadmap. So implementing it was very quick and easy. And, um, and it's made a huge difference in, in the success that they saw during a period where nobody was applying for jobs. Uh, we also found some technical things like their their XML sitemap was a little bit wonky. They didn't have an HTML sitemap for bots to look at some of the words that define the pages that we want um, those pages to appear for. The specials themselves, sometimes they were just promoted on the homepage. And so after a while, some of the people that were linking to that content would go, oh, that's not the same anymore. I'm going to remove, remove the link. And so we, um, you know, we taught them and encouraged them on how to create specific landing pages and how to silo them correctly so that, you know, that we can not lose the links that we'd earned. Or if a promotion goes away forever, to redirect that to a news page or something similar so that, you know, it doesn't count as a soft 404. And one thing that was really happening that was that was interesting is right at the time when we started working with them, Olive Garden was conquesting them in paid search, particularly in local search ads. You know, the focus, you know, is really around brand strategy. And when they saw that, that Olive Garden was doing that, they're like, what can we do to get them back? And as a business, it, it just coincidentally happened to be a time where they were starting to promote pasta and breadsticks. So we did a little SEO strategy and boom, you search for pasta and breadsticks and guess who shows up above Olive Garden. And so that was a fun little conquesting thing that we did to get them back. Whenever you can find, whenever you can show that, you know, you're outdoing a competitor, I think uh, yes. it just gets the juices flowing. Um, it gets clients really excited. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I want to pick up on a couple of threads there. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a fascinating list of things that you worked on. You mentioned, I think at the beginning there, that there wasn't a proper mechanism for kind of measuring success. There wasn't any clear kind of goal settings or parameters around like what it is that they wanted to achieve. I sometimes find that to be really hard to do in SEO. There's so many different ways in which you can measure the success of a campaign, right? Especially if you're including sure. local in there. There's so many different metrics that you could potentially be tracking. 
what what you just if you can briefly describe a kind of what is your process or maybe what was your process for Applebee's in terms of trying to come together and I guess identify what metrics were of value and then you know where to set the bar of success. Sure, and I'll go. I'll go to the next step too. Is after uh, after the show today, I'll have a link that you can share to a Google Sheet. It's the same sheet I use for my students in my uh, University of San Diego. Some of the courses I teach uh, adjunct, I actually use this template as a framework, and so the the students can can go into the sheet and make some changes to what the the KPI goals are, and then they go to Google Analytics and they pull in the data and they can see whether or not they've hit those goals. So it's kind of a fun exercise, but it's a great template to give you a head start on on tracking, you know, specific KPIs. So all of the KPIs that we have in that that template and start with, you know, links that we've earned, right? Quality links that we've earned. Uh, we'll use like SCMrush and Ahrefs just so we have two different metrics to to go by. Uh, we look at keywords, uh, share of voice based on different categories or business objectives. Maybe for a restaurant chain, delivery is its own business objective. So how are we ranking? What's our share of voice and delivery? Where we have specific locations? Maybe it's takeout. Maybe it's a specific item type, pasta and breadsticks, for example. So we have those as, as different KPIs so we can see what our share of voice is for the keywords that we're tracking. And whether you're using Rush, Conductor, Bright Edge, whatever, it's you know the, the keyword and the geo modifier, the, the city of where you have a physical location you may end up with 6,000 to 10,000 keywords when you track that, depending on how many locations you have. But we generally pick a set of you know five to 10 search terms that we use per location. And then we add that location city in the keyword. And then we're allowed to, you know, depending on what system we're using, tag or categorize uh, those search terms so we can do better segmentation. So we'll have that, that share of voice, our average position across the board, our average position by segments, and then that share of voice. The next thing that we'll look at uh, depending on, again, if it's local or e-commerce, e-commerce, we might look at how our category performance is for, or our product detail page performance. For local, it's going to be maybe looking at Yelp and Yelp performance. How much traffic is Yelp driving if we're investing in, in doing an upgraded profile or something or maybe doing some ads? You know, are we tracking that and is it, is it leading uh, to success for us? And then the core metrics that the business really cares about. Um, how have we improved traffic from organic? We have two segments for some of our chains where we have traffic for everything except for our local pages. And then we have one segment that's just our local pages. And so those are the things that we're evolving and, and drive 30% of the traffic to the site uh, for both, uh, you know, for both the big chains that we work with. And then we get into revenue. You know, what's the bottom line? And so by having a data tab and tracking that month over month over month, we can take the year's worth of data and say, okay, for 2021, you know, we generated this much revenue from search and this much traffic from search for the next year, based on how we've been growing over the last few years, we think we could do probably 10% better in 2022, maybe 15% better. Maybe the stakeholders come back and say, I need you to do 20% better, you know, so, so they'll come back and we'll, we'll set those goals. Uh, we'll put it in the, the column of what the goal is and what our progress is, and then what percentage toward hitting that goal we are. So that when you have your monthly meeting, quarterly meeting, biannual meeting, they'll say, how are we doing with SEO? Oh, we're about 50% toward hitting our, our KPIs and we're 50% through the year. So we're actually on pace and doing good. So you can see those numbers and see how we're how we're pacing with hitting those specific key uh, performance indicators. But again, I'll share that template so that you can share it with your audience. And yeah, there's no opt-in or anything. It's just a link to a Google sheet. So have fun with it. Love that. Well, it's, I think it's a question a lot of SEOs are, are struggling to deal with because I think SEO is a challenging channel. I mean, that's partly what makes it so exciting, right? 
Um, just the, just in your answer, I think, Russ, we saw so many different things that are getting tracked, right, from keyword coverage to obviously all the way down to revenue and virtually everything in between. You're segmenting out various pages of importance, various categories mm -hmm. that the client probably wants to track or, you know, will have an influence. And you're not just talking revenue, right, because you want to show everything in between. You want to show how the work that you're doing is progressing you know, your visibility, which may not necessarily directly translate to revenue immediately. Maybe you're working on top of funnel terms that are more. It never does with organic. You know that. And that's the thing, right? <laughs> I think that's what makes it so hard. It's not just clearly inputs in, inputs out. It's showing them that entire journey and being able to articulate and express that in a document that's clearly transparent, that brings them along the ride. Having those regular check-in points, I think, is what helps to sell the value of what it is that you're doing. And that forecasting can make such a difference. It really does. Awesome. So going back to Applebee's, like what kind of resources did you have access to both from an internal and an external kind of, you know, maybe there were contractors or other agencies sure. that you were working with? Yeah, every every brand is different in how they approach search older brands. You know, they, they still don't have a lot of trust or faith in, you know, what some of these new technologies can do, you know, they, they know, Hey, I, I know I need to be in these social networks. I know I need to be in search results, but, but they don't have a, a expansive history in understanding what it is and where that potential is. So uh, the challenge that we've had with a lot of our larger brands is that there, there really isn't anyone dedicated specifically toward SEO in most of, in most of these cases, um, there was a director of digital. There was also a digital marketing manager who wore lots of hats, everything from, you know, paid social, um, paid search to email marketing to, you know, all the different things that go on in, in digital. And we got maybe 10, 15 percent of their time if we were lucky. So it was, it was a huge challenge. They also, in, in some of these larger brands, they don't in-house a lot of the different resources. You know, in, in Applebee's case, they have agencies that help with content development. They have agencies that help specifically on creative and graphic design and, um, and web page design. Uh, maybe even, you know, a, a completely different group that works under that group for paid search. You know, there's there's all these different companies. Um, and then there's vendors for everything. There's a vendor for how they handle the data management. There's a vendor for how they handle CRM. There's a vendor for loyalty programs. So a lot of these big companies just keep using all of these different vendors and services. And I look at how much they spend and it's like, why don't you just in-house this stuff? Why don't you develop it yourself and save potentially millions of dollars a year? But I think that's just because it is such a big company and they've got these long-term relationships that um, they just don't want to do it. And that's okay. So we, you know, we, we collaborate, we work with them. The challenge with that, of course, is, you know, the the slow feedback, the extra buy-in we have to get, the additional calls and follow-up calls and emails that have to happen. It's not as fast-paced as, you know, when you're working with a smaller account where you just have to say, hey, business owner, can I load up this page? Sure. When can you do it? Uh, do it today if you want. Great. Go for it. You know, in corporate, it could take six weeks to, you know, three months to deploy one single page or one update to a template. And then, yeah, just, just lacking that one dedicated SEO person that you could collaborate with on Slack and email. That's, that's something that, that we found, you know, challenging and we've worked through it as much as we can with emails and, and weekly meetings. So we, we managed to push through, but yeah, it sure would be nice if, you know, some of these larger organizations we work with just had us had a dedicated person that we can engage with that was fully dedicated to search marketing. I think that's so important. Yeah, I've seen that as well myself working with clients. So if you have that person who's kind of that intermediary or that go-between, 
who understands mm-hmm. the channel, but also has that understanding of the business and can give you access yep. or move things around where required, you know, can kind of prioritize or escalate certain things if they're not getting done. It helps kind of move that process forward so much more. I think sometimes maybe clients don't realize how much involvement almost they need to have with SEO. It's not, unfortunately, I wish sometimes it were more the case where you can engage an agency or say a consultant and you can say, well, look, SEO, that's your concern now. And the client can almost step away completely and be entirely removed from the process. But the reality is when you're working external to a business, there are a lot of things sometimes you require. So as an example, if as a, an SEO consultant or an SEO agency, you don't have direct access to the website to actually execute on those changes, you'll often need the buy-in of, say, a development team. Um, and that's critical to the process because otherwise it's just a set of recommendations that's gathering dust rather than something that's actually making a meaningful difference. Yeah, we don't talk about the times that we just log in and make changes and, you know, we don't. But it happens you know, <laughs> where it happens or with what, what brands, but there are those moments where I'm like, you know what? Screw this. You know, um, <laughs> we love to get our hands. We all grew up in, in search. So we love to get our hands dirty still. And when those opportunities present themselves, you know, we, we volunteer more often than we probably should, but it's healthy to, to stay fresh with it for sure. You know, I, I can remember a time when Matt Labuda from Meineke at the time, he and I were basically like on text messaging back and forth and and really amplifying what we were doing with, with search because he was so engaged in it. And I, I have to say, even though we know SEO is a long, it takes a long time to see results from it. If you treat the effort like it's advertising and treat the results like it's marketing, I think you're going to be set up for success. And those those stakeholders who are able to get engaged or hire someone to be fully engaged in SEO are going to see the best long-term results by having that whole sense of hurry up and wait uh, because it works. And you're right. I just, I think that's a, that's a huge window of opportunity for any brand. If they can just get somebody dedicated on the team who does nothing, but collaborate with the, you know, with the SEO team, whether they're in-house or uh, an agency or even a consultancy who's helping orchestrate things that are happening between dev and content and off-page. Steve, that is like, you, you've just like, the, my head just went ding, 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 ding. When you said that to treat, treat it like it's an advertising campaign, you know, because whether it's your own business or it's, you know, clients or whatever it is, and they're mm-hmm. paying per click and they're expecting results in a, in a period of time, you know, there's that kind of attention to it. Okay, well, we need this done. Okay, we'll get it done now. When there's, okay, well, this is going to take three, six months until we see results, but every day that you delay getting this fixed for us, it pushes that further and further out. It, it's hard to push that urgency that, yep. that it's just natural on other channels. That's such a good point. And it's, how do you, how do you... That, that was a premeditated quote for you, by the way. I thought about it before the call. I'm like, you okay. know what, I'm going to use this. <laughs> it was very good. Do you have a method or a, a way to frame things to, to try to help get that, that urgency? On I the, do. I do yeah. actually with the, with the forecasting, you know, if you yep. bring up that forecasting, there are those moments where you'll sneak in a conversation on Slack with a developer and you say, Hey developer, there's been some challenges trying to get things, you know, prioritized. And I know you've got other priorities, but there's a really big opportunity to make a really quick change to a page that might make a huge difference. If you could get a link from the homepage to this new specials page, to this new thing that we're trying to promote, I think it could result in some really fast traffic from organic. Um, and so you, you get that person in, involved and you befriend them and you you become a partner to them. And then the moment that they do that change, you know, you, you 
put your annotation in Google Analytics. You thank them. You send them a little Starbucks gift card or something for just taking a few seconds to make that change. And then two weeks later, you come back and you say, hey, I just wanted to give a shout out to this developer who took a few seconds to make a very quick change that was deprioritized on the Jira board or on the Asana board. Thanks to them, we've generated an additional, you know, $250,000 in revenue that we wouldn't have had had we not made that change to the site. So um, forecasting it, that person has helped to generate what could be an additional X millions of dollars per year by making a small change. So kudos to them for being proactive and, and playing a role in the SEO. Now that person is going to get a pat on the back from their boss and their boss's boss, and they're going to be your best friend in the world. And they're going to say, let's do it again. Right. And now they're engaged because now they they know what their effort uh, culminated to and what it resulted in. Gabe, this just harkens back to what we keep finding with these conversations that the best SEOs have got really good soft skills. They know how to manage <laughs> right. those relationships. They know how to how to build that trust with people You're to get wrong. stuff done. Like this is the separation. 100%. I feel it's funny because you, you, you can speak to different SEOs from all over the world like yourself, Steve, and it, a, a lot of the same challenges and a lot of the same solutions have been applied independently by all these different SEOs. Like I, I have almost the exact same story from a couple of weeks ago. And it was also, it was, you know, boxing days coming up or this big special day, you know, we created a landing page to try and capitalize on interest around, you know, this event. We don't have a great lead up coming in. We need to get this pumping. We need to get it, you know, boosted on Google. Can we get a link from your homepage? And then it's the, let's celebrate that change. So, you know, we had this great success. Thank you so much to this individual who like stepped up to the yep. plate, helped us yeah, get there's this no room done. For ego. No, absolutely. If you, if you can, if you can celebrate what other people are doing and really like bring them along for the ride and not take that personal credit yeah. for the work that's been done, all of a sudden they don't see SEO as necessarily being this blocker to their day. Oh, great. Now I've got to worry about what Gabe's asking me to do when I've got 50 other things to worry about with the website or, oh, SEO is coming in here with a technical audit and they're kind of breaking down the performance and they're saying the site's slow. All of a sudden they see SEO rather than a critique. But they see SEO as being something to celebrate and something that actually will make them look good and will improve, you know, their standing. It's true. You, you make it about them. You, you gave me, I think, I think you nailed it. I think it's, it's really, the effort is about helping the business, the brand and the, the people within it. And you're, I think it's unfortunate. There are a lot of SEOs out there that carry their egos with them. I'm right. And this is why you need to do this. No one is going to listen to that, right? You Instead, you say, how's your day going, right? Um, I know you're slammed. Is there is there anything that I can do to support you while you're trying to work through this queue? And you make it the about the relationship and the friendships. And, you know, you're, you're going to see success and you'll, you'll hopefully you'll win some awards and stuff. But but don't make it about that. Don't make it apparent that you're, you know, that you're trying to do something to benefit yourself, you know, because it's all about the success of the client. If you want the, the client to be successful, you got to throw the ego out the door. It's got to go away. You know, once that ego is gone um, and it's all about the relationships, those people, not only will they help you to, to be successful with the account, but when or if they ever leave, they're going to be calling you and saying, hey, remember me? I was a developer you worked with, you know, four years ago at this brand for the layoffs and furloughs and stuff. Remember me? I was the digital marketing, you know, assistant at such and such. Well, now I'm actually the manager at this other company. So the, you know, the, the lifetime value of, of not having an ego when you're mm. in an SEO strategy is infinite. It really is. You've probably touched on this a fair bit, but I'm just curious, like 
when you started at Applebee's, there was a situation that you've, that you've outlined before around, you know, where it was, what, what the uh, SEO team and strategy and everything was like. What were the sure. things in those first 90 days that really helped move the needle for you? You know, and, and with every brand, there's always there's always this um, this opportunity in the timeline to find quick wins. The quick wins are great because if if you find something that that's blocking search engines from crawling or indexing the website, and and you're able to see a positive return on investment in a 30 day window, the rest of the year, everyone can have peace of mind that they've already that you as a you know as a, a support person uh, or group or agency has has already met. Your, your ROI goals with the brand. So for me, it was the same thing. It was what, what can I do right away that can make a benefit? The obvious thing was getting that blocking fixed, you know, and they de-index the site. Um, the next was was getting that strategy built. So many brands are so bottom line driven that they, I don't want to take 30 days, 60 days, 90 days to build a strategy, just get in, start doing work. Well, you know, if we do the strategy, we might find something during the audit part of building that strategy that is a quick win. Maybe it's, you know, how we're blocking the website. Maybe we've got, you know, 20 subdomains that are staging environments that all got indexed and Google's trying to figure out which one is the main page to rank. Maybe there's a penalty that we didn't see. So I think doing doing some of that that initial um, strategy on, you know, technology, the the tech audit, the, the competitive baseline, where are we and where are our weaknesses and strengths versus the competition, the link strategy, you know, what are some of those links that need to be cleaned up or removed or disavowed, you know, where are some of the quick wins from, a, you know, fixing uh, inbound links that are four or fouring right now, you know, where are our competitors all getting links and let's run a pivot table and see where the frequencies are to, to go after links that are, are driving traffic to our competition. And then let's do the time to, let's put the time into creating a, an information architecture or site structure strategy, you know, that, that builds a big picture roadmap. So we know exactly over the next several years, what content we need to create and how it should be organized on the website. That plan is by far the most important thing that we've done. You know, one of the first things we did was, was correct those, those links that the Veterans Day page I'd mentioned, you know, being able to recover those links was a huge win. And we, we did actually see an incremental lift in overall organic just by recovering those links because there were quite a few of them and they weren't being counted, you know, in, in terms of supporting our SEO efforts. That's such a great point there just around, you know, giving us the time, whether it's 30 days, 60 days to, to do the analysis, to find the quick wins. Like you want us to get in and do the work and get your quick wins. How, how do we know where those quick wins are? If you don't give us the time to actually, you know, open up the hood and take some time to have a look and see what's happening in there. That's a, a great insight. What, what did the planning process look like in terms of forecasting and, and what was the buy-in like from management? Like you just mentioned there, you know, you took that period to do that analysis and then what your idea of the forecast or if there was a gap between what you wanted to do and, and Applebee's wanted to do and how you could have maybe put that together? I was lucky because Applebee's was a bit of a clean slate. You know, okay. they knew they needed to put time and energy into SEO, but they didn't know what the potential could be of it. They didn't have any sort of, you know, plan for it. They just knew we need to start showing up for search. Our search is just not where it needs to be, where, you know, we're, we're not seeing any growth in analytics. You know, we were lucky because we get to start with a, a clean slate and make suggestions instead of having to convince them to change their strategy. Instead, we just had to convince them that our strategy could help see growth. So it was a much easier case than, you know, those agencies and those brands that are doing a lot of search. The first thing, you know, the, that SEO audit and strategy, it does take around two months if you want to do a really good job of, you know, data mining and reverse engineering competitive strategies. It took about two months to put that together. 
the keyword research, we had about 185,000 keywords to go through between what we saw in Search Console, what we saw in paid search uh, query reports from Google Ads and Bing Ads, from the competitive insights that we saw for similar brands like Chili's and uh, Red Robin and you know other multi-location brands, taking all of that data, 185,000 keywords, which are, um, eventually evolved into different tabs in a gigantic Excel spreadsheet. And eventually each of those tabs evolved into their own spreadsheets so that we could basically help reinvent what we think the sitemap could evolve to and how you know competitors are driving traffic. So that that taxonomy planning that I don't think really anyone does anymore for some reason um, is always the absolute best and strongest arsenal for a long-term SEO strategy. And it's shocking to me that more brands just won't take the time to do it. Uh, with Jacuzzi, you know, it, it took us the greater part of about 90 days with a, a staircase brand that we worked with. It took us about a month and a half. So it's going to vary based on the number of search terms you find. With e-commerce websites that have thousands of SKUs, you might start by doing it in categories. July, we're going to do this category. And, you know, and then in August, we're going to do this category. And every month you build, uh, you know, a taxonomy around those specific categories so that three, four, five years down the road, you've gone through every single category. So that was the hardest thing. The forecasting, you know, when when we were done, where we saw obvious opportunities, like, hey, we're just not showing up for these things, but we offer these things. We should really start creating some content and optimizing it so that it it ranks well and gets clicked on in search results. I think we found like 24 million in in potential that we presented and said, hey, just just in a conservative forecast of search term opportunities, we found if we if we take advantage of these new categories that we had suggested, we could probably see another 24 million in revenue after a year or two once those pages are ranking. And you know, and, and how the process works, you know, we 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 take it in bite-sized chunks, like that whole saying of how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. We don't want to say, here's everything. And they're yep. just like, this is too much. I don't know how we're going to do this. You start in bite-sized chunks. So we create a 12-month roadmap. We create a timeline or a Gantt chart and say, here are the different areas of focus. Phase one, three or four months of, you know, kind of quick fixes, content improvement, consolidate similar content that might be cannibalizing in terms of keyword cannibalization. And, you know, what are the quick wins on links? Phase two, let's get into some of those lower you know, lower priority tech items that still have incremental value to us, but aren't as important as what we're doing in phase one. Um, let's get into keyword expansion and start creating that new content that supports the content that we've already optimized and consolidated. Links, let's get into some more creative ideas on links now. Let's do that link bait idea, the Veterans Day page, the National Pancake Day page, the, you know, what was it Progressive did? Dress like flow Halloween costume, right? The creative ideas that attract and garner links without having to do a lot of outreach. So I think um, coming up with that 12-month cycle and then working within the 30-day sprint makes it attainable. So we put everything into these little task lists in a PM system. I, I like monday.com. It's like my favorite right now just because I'm, I'm always on my phone. It's got a great responsive design to it and isn't as clunky and hard to use as a Jira or Sana. And, and then we'll move up the items with uh, the stakeholders that they feel they can accomplish in that month. What are some things that you feel you can accomplish? And then you take out a couple. We'll say, I can do these five things great, let's do these three. Then they're like, oh, cool, we can do three. That's easy, right? They're bought into it because they initially said they were going to do like four or five things. Three things for tech, three things in terms of our content strategy, three things that we want to do to attract links, three things for our local. And that's attainable. You put that in your January sprint, you work through those things together. And then the next month, the week before the month starts, you 
get together. You do a performance call. How are things going? Great. What do we need to move from our January sprint to February? And what are some things that we can add to that from our ongoing list based on the prioritization? And that works. It, it works because it's it's attainable. It's bite-sized chunks. And well, what if we get everything done in the first week? Great. Let's move some more stuff up into our sprint if we feel like we can handle it. So that approach has worked great with our clients. And hopefully for those listening, give it a shot. It works you know, pretty well for us. Love it. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious about where this site is now from an SEO perspective. So what sort of what sort of numbers? What can you share? I know you can only share so much in terms of the wins and the growth that you've been able to achieve with Applebee's. It's been really exciting. I mentioned some of the challenges earlier with you know not having anything for off premises uh, takeout delivery. There wasn't really anything addressing jobs. So um, so it's it's been pretty pretty exciting. We're only about twenty five percent where we we'd like to be, and you know a lot of that is simply because you know they they. They have to budget for things. When we say, hey, we should make a change, they pay resources to make those changes. And those resources have priorities that generally start with bug fixes on the app and the website um, and can't be allocated toward you know, SEO. So the time it takes to get resources to work on things takes a little bit of uh, a lot longer time than we would like them to. So I, I'd say we're about 25% where we need to be. But even then, you know, we did have a complete search marketing roadmap mapped out now. Everyone knows what we're working on, when we're working on it. Uh, we've got most of the crawling and indexing issues resolved. And, you know, there are quite a few uh, pages on the website that were, you know, linking to pages that were dead, quite a few inbound links that were dead. You know, we've uh, we've definitely reclaimed quite a few links. Even recently, we found some new links that had been coming in over the last several months to pages that they moved and didn't tell anybody or removed and didn't tell anybody. So we've redirected them to the best corresponding page to keep that going. The off-premises has been insane. I actually pulled some some fun numbers together. Obviously, I can't talk about uh, revenue, but I can tell you that, you know, just looking at takeout, for example, I mean, we've had, what is it, 15,000, 15, no, 15 million impressions on these takeout pages that we've created to attract people who are searching for breakfast takeout near me uh, for one of the brands, a lunch takeout near me, takeout restaurant near me. We've had just, again, since we've launched this thing, what is that? 116,000 visits, you know, to, to different various takeout subpages. Again, these are just, just some basic Google kind of insights, not really about conversion or revenue, but in what, what it's done in creating a content strategy for off-prem. So yeah, so, so 2.9 million people have seen our delivery subpages for, um, for off-premises and 15 million for our takeout. Uh, with well over 200,000 total visits to pages that didn't exist previously. You know, hey, we, we're closing down a lot of our locations. We're limited to how much we can have. And there's a lot of people searching for delivery and takeout. Do we just add that word to our page? No, let's create a dedicated page that talks specifically about what you can have delivered and what our delivery service is like with pictures of our delivery packaging and people handing off at cars. Let's, let's really put time and energy into developing a strong, helpful subpage underneath each location for, for each of those different areas. Um, overall, when we look back at 2019, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, to where we are now, we've seen lifts, 173% overall lift in what we've been able to drive from uh, organic results and organic map results by really putting time and energy into a strong location, local, uh, multi-location strategy for SEO. Yeah. It's been a huge win. And, you know, all of us are are proud to have been able to, to see those results. 
you know, um, from looking at some of the, the data that I have my little cheat sheet here, um, we've actually been able to help them get over 50,000 job seekers to wow. these restaurant subpages. That's actually huge. Like just from a US perspective, like uh, every business owner I speak to around here is just like, I find it so hard to get people finding talent to work in your business right now. It's so hard. Mm. People are changing jobs. People seem to be happy with what they're doing. Getting, you know, quality applicants in is tough. So if you can create a page like that and have that volume of people <laughs> coming through, that's huge. Applebee's. Yep. Reverse engineer the page. Do it for yourself in your area and, and where you have it. If you have a, a local business, look at how we designed it. Look at the attributes. Look at the headings and subheadings. Mm. Right. Look at the URL. Look at everything that we did to get those pages to perform and use them for yourselves. It's it's going to help. I don't know. You're, you're right. It's this this great resignation has made it so difficult, especially for restaurant chains, because who mm. wants to go back, you know, to a job that they were in for ten years when they've had you know a year of being able to be in their PJs and do some remote stuff with other brands. It's so you get the guys that are and girls that are really experienced aren't coming back. So now you've got additional training you have to do. Where are you going to get the bandwidth to train people when you're already you know managing four different roles? It's it's a really tough situation for a lot of restaurant owners at the moment. And, you know, they can feel it. Well, at least we're able to get the phone ringing and get the applications flowing so that they have a little more in terms of choices and options. And hopefully it's, uh, it's making a difference. I just wanted to say, I love that. I know you mentioned it earlier in the podcast that that was something that you were looking into was how you could actually assist the brand in terms of like connecting with people who are looking for jobs. And what I found yeah. quite unique about that as a strategy is that, a lot of times, like, you know, if an SEO was focused on working with a restaurant, that probably would be the furthest thing from their mind. You know, they'd be thinking about all oh, the proximity-related searches, restaurant near me, restaurant in location, you know, maybe talking about their menu or their facilities or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. their event hire capabilities, depending on what that restaurant has in place. They're not necessarily thinking about things like how can I actually support them in terms of attracting new talent? So was that something that you came up with yourself and thought, you know what, there's actually an opportunity here? or is that Right, that was part that of the original keyword research and taxonomy planning, uh, but it was difficult to get buy-in for it until the pandemic started. And the pandemic started and said, what can we do? And I said, well, remember this? <laughs> so uh, so it was, it was kind of a win for us to be able to implement something that we had already been pushing for. And, and it was really exciting to see the results from it and know that it, it did what we had hoped it would do. And we hope it's going to do even better, you know, in the new year as we continue to evolve it based on, you know, some of that research we talked about earlier. I think that's great. And look, that's a really actionable tip, Russ, because I, I imagine a lot of SEOs out there aren't thinking that way. And potentially they could be having conversations now with their clients to say, well, you know, how are you looking in terms of recruitment? Are you having issues attracting talent? You know, the the talent pool right now is starting to thin out a little bit because we you know, we've got pretty strict border closures. I mean, even if you're the number one tennis player in the world, you've probably heard about this, Steve. It's hard to get a visa in Australia right now to come and play in the Australian Open. So, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy to move around. It's not easy to travel. And and what that means naturally is that you sometimes have fewer people or maybe people are getting, as you said, maybe they're getting compensated to stay at home. So there isn't, it's not as attractive to go out in the job market. And what that means is a lot of businesses are suffering and they're finding it really hard to attract the right type of people. So, you know, if we as consultants can have those conversations and say, you know, maybe there's a way that we can actually help you, we're actually increasing the value that we're providing. We're coming right. to the table with different ideas that maybe they hadn't even thought to ask us about. And remember, with every sub page that you create under a location page, the, the more helpful that parent 
uh, location page is going to be. Now you're not just competing against a competitor, you know, who's got one URL with one URL, you're competing with a section of content. So my local page has deep pages for specials, for delivery, for takeout, for jobs, for reviews, for coupons and offers. I've got dedicated pages for all these things. If you want to see examples of that, you can look at the Meineke website. I think we've got somewhere between eight to 15 sub pages underneath each location. My hope is to continue to grow uh, the content underneath those local pages so that our local pages will perform better because now, again, you've got the breadcrumbs, you know, in the in the nav that all point back to that page. So you have more internal links to that local page. Um, you've got link baits. I mean, how easy is it to go to your local chamber of commerce or or um, government website and say, hey, I've got a page that talks about the jobs I have available at the location in our city. Um, I notice you have a jobs page or employment page on your site. Perhaps you can mention our job page on that Boom. page. It's a yep. great way to get some really easy links, you know, because those are those are things that that help the community and they help the, you know, the the unemployed find jobs. And it gives us some great links to point to our sub pages that then pass page rank back to that parent local page. So our local pages dominate, uh, you know, whenever we're able to continue to build more supportive content underneath them. Yeah, that's awesome. .gov. Uh, domains as well too. <laughs> oh, yeah, sometimes. Brilliant, Steve. All right, so I'm going to ask you some really quick fire questions. We we like to close off our podcast with some vox pop style, and the key thing is don't overthink it, don't overcomplicate it. First thing that pops into your brain, go with it. All right, so let's get this started. Which previous Google algorithm change still keeps you up at night? <sighs> I, I hate to say it, but I I really think that Penguin update from 2012 makes it too easy for competitors to you know to, to try to get us penalized for things that we didn't do i know they're doing better with it but that just it drives me crazy i'm thinking about if i drop oh crap i've got two million links from some crap that somebody did to try to hurt me that kills me good answer i think a lot of seos are trying to be proactive we're just you know reviewing for those types of situations disassociating from any link profiles but really it's probably not something we should have to invest in too much google should probably be a little bit smarter in terms of sifting through some of those and ensuring that you know we're not going to be held accountable for something we haven't done cool gun to your head what do you prefer content or links well it's a chicken and the egg you can't get links without content i would do content for sure and make sure it's linkable findable searchable upper funnel content that people would want to reference i get my short answer at the top and syndicate that all over hell and back and if uh, enough people find my featured answer helpful, they'll link to it as well. So I think content, because that will generate links. Great answer. What's the most effective link building technique that you've used? Depends on the brand. Uh, with uh, the larger organizations, it's reclaiming the broken links, going into Google Analytics, going to contents, looking at titles that contain not found, um, and then redirecting those to the best, uh, best respective pages. That's always been the easiest, fastest, and uh, most fruitful of, of what I would do. But after that, I would do um, unlinked mentions. I would go after competitive intersecting links. There's a tool for that in Ahrefs you could use called Link Intersect. And then it would be finding the top content that's driving links to our competition and you know uh, using that as inspiration to come up with our own creative ideas. I guess you sort of touched on this at the end of that last answer, but the skyscraper technique, is that still relevant today? I don't know. I, I think I think you want to stand out. You want to differentiate. That was the first question we talked about today. And and I think you can draw inspiration from what the competition's doing, but their SEO is going to know what you're doing. They're going to see what's happening when they look at their links and broken links and lost links, you know, and 
do you, do you really want to go to all out war with the competition or do you just want to lead the charge and how you're you know, following good ethics? For me, the way that we work is, is all about transparency, um, honesty, um, doing things that we can share with Google when we have our weekly meetings on paid search and and feel good about it. So for me, that the skyscraper technique or negative SEO or anything that hurts the competition, I don't know. I'm, I don't feel good about it. But if, if the skyscraper technique is, is looking at where the competition's pages are gone and they went away and it's a broken link and you want to get that broken link to, sure, why not? What do you love most about SEO? The the friendships, the the community in SEO. We're going to the Maui Mastermind in uh, in February. Jim, Jim Christian from the DMO and uh, Ben Fisher, you know, the, the most amazing Google business profile expert that's out there and um, all of our friends in the, the community. I just... I don't know. That's my favorite part about being an SEO is is the the peer relationships and the way that we support and help each other. Yeah, so you see that a lot on on SEO Twitter as well. That people are kind of out there to support each other. And if you've got a question or you're excited about something, there, yeah, there you go. Um, how do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think it's it's not looking at circumstances as there's always one solution. I think it's looking at it as there's there's always other ways so you don't always have to compromise there's a lot of a lot of people compromise in their lives and sometimes you don't have to sometimes you can you can do what's best for the other person and it'll turn around and benefit you and and you'll have the thing that you originally wanted to do or 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 have simply by by making it happen there was there was a commercial uh, on i think it was a few weeks ago i saw it where this kid was trying to help a local uh, guitar center place that he was saving his money to buy a guitar. And he ended up just putting the money in to help save the store when it was going under. And then at Christmas time, there's a guitar under the tree. And he said, thanks for you know being amazing and helping me survive. So I think that that reciprocity and, and that um, giving of yourself is something that I've taken away from SEO that's helped you know all of us. Cool. Okay. So this is a very topical question at the moment. Work from home life, office life, or hybrid life? What do you prefer most? I'm office, you know, like, you know, a lot of folks have, have got kids at home and barking dogs and chirping birds and <laughs> burping fishes. And okay, maybe not the last one, but uh, I've got a, I've got a lot, you know, I'm, I'm right next to a park too. So every so often, you know, you'll, you'll get the kids playing basketball and it's just difficult to focus, concentrate and have a lot of uh, productive calls. Love that. What's your favorite, SEMrush or Ahrefs? You know, I haven't explored all of the different tools and features of, of Ahrefs. You know, I, I do use their Link Intersect tool uh, quite a bit, their top content tool quite a bit. SEMrush has this great enterprise version that gives us an, an agency portal basically for our clients. So they can log in, see reports and um, see stats and, and interact with SEMrush in ways that I don't think they can in, in Ahrefs. The support, the you know, the team that we work with over there has always been great. So. If I had to pick between the two at the moment, it would be SEMrush. Uh, but I've heard great things about uh, HREF and seen, you know, some of the innovations they've been coming up with. So I don't, I don't know that you would have to pick between the two. I think you should probably test both and see what what is easiest for you to navigate. I'd agree, and I'd say these days most agencies are probably using both tools. To be honest, it's not really an either or scenario with that one. What do you like most, agency, in house, or a combination of the two? We've been really trying to push our clients to do everything in-house, however we can. Uh, in many cases, I've even introduced former students from my Cal State Fullerton and UC San Diego classes to, you know, to, to go in and get some uh, some experience. And some of them have even moved up in roles and have taken over the SEO completely. 
So not that we don't think agencies do an amazing job, but I feel like a lot of agencies have this, this idea that if a client leaves, we can take down everything that we did. And that's, that just, it breaks my heart because these people invested, these businesses invest so much in trying to earn their rankings and to grow their search. And the moment that agency goes away, they lose all their analytics, they lose all their tracking, they lose everything that that agency was using to help track and measure. And in some cases, they have to start all over. And in some legal industries, they have to completely start a new website because the agency has put in the contract, the, con- the content itself is owned by the agency. So it's it's kind of a weird question. I, I do think that the you know the the best thing for businesses is to in-house, but if you don't have the means to in-house, um, you know, we've we've created a site called seoverified.com. You can just take this little checklist and you can ask the SEO agency some questions to ensure that you don't lose any of those assets or get extorted when you decide or if you decide to leave the agency. Yeah, we we could probably have a whole podcast around SEO ethics because <laughs> we I- could. It's unbelievable. I've never heard of somebody actually pulling down content. I've heard of maybe agencies retracting links that oh, yeah. they've built in the past, but I mean, it's just so, so um, unethical. Feels unethical. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Totally uh, wonderful. Oh well, you did great on the uh, on the old vox pop there, Russ. I might just throw it back to you for some uh, closing remarks. Steve, thank you so much for jumping on. Uh- been an hour i reckon we could have gone for another hour or two and we haven't we just touched the surface but i uh, really appreciate your time loved hearing what you've done with applebee's i am much more fascinated in multi-site seo after this conversation so some of the things you're talking about just the uh, building uh, you know the authority in those local pages and then having those breadcrumbs come down fascinating stuff thank you so much of course thanks for having me this is this is uh, i love geeking out on anything digital marketing so i'd, I'd be uh, more than happy to come on and dig into any of those uh, topics that we talked about. Just Excellent. Yeah, I reckon we're probably going to get you back. It's been awesome. Awesome. Cool. I think awesome. we'll be able to share around that template for forecasts and projections. I know I'm really keen to, to, get to dive you. into that as well. I'm sure it's going to help out a lot of people who are in a similar situation. Thanks everyone for listening today. This has been SEO Success Stories with Steve Wiedemann. He's been talking about SEO, multi-site location, SEO for Applebee's for the, the giant restaurant chain here in the US. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to today, please jump on, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those platforms. We have got some really cool guests coming up through 2022. Good news too, we started this as a limited edition 12 episodes we thought we'll just go for 12 we don't know how this is going to go and then we'll you know we'll assess and, and reevaluate before we keep going we got about seven or eight in and we had about 15 more amazing guests locked up we were just like i reckon we might need to just keep this going a bit longer so uh, we'll be going beyond the original 12 we're just going to keep rolling while we're having so much fun but steve thank you again for joining us on seo success stories thank you bye guys yes thank you, you bye